And Jimmy mentioned this, but for those that may be guests, may be visitors, my name is Preston. I'm one of the elders here. And so I am preaching today, and I promise you that you'll get Jimmy back soon because I love, I love, this is not in my notes, but I just want, anytime I get a chance to, man, we have an amazing teaching pastor. And I just, uh, I love to hear you teach the word. And I know you don't want to be elevated, and I'm not trying to elevate you, but guys, that's a gift when we, when we have the opportunity to sit under sound teaching of the Word. And so I want to be faithful to that, but I also just want to honor uh, what you do week in, week out. So let me, let me start with this. I want to ask us some questions. Do we believe? The title of this sermon is, I Believe, Help My Unbelief. And we're going to unpack this just a bit And I'll tell you up front, this is going to be the quickest you've ever heard me preach. For those of you that have never heard me preach, you have no frame of reference. For those that have heard me preach, you're like, I don't believe you. But I promise you, this will be the quickest sermon you've ever heard come out of my mouth. (laughs) Please pray. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is capable of anything? Do you believe that he's capable of healing the chronically or terminally ill? Do you believe he's capable of stopping the spread of the coronavirus? Do you believe he's capable of working good in the midst of the coronavirus? Do you believe he's capable of saving that marriage that's hanging on by a thread? Do you believe he's capable of changing that bitter person you've known for years into a loving, compassionate, kind individual. Who's your one? Talked about that at the beginning of the year. Who's your one? Do you believe that God is capable of actually bringing that person into a relationship with himself? Do you believe? Again, do you believe that God is capable of anything? Here's the reality, guys. The truth is, that most of us, and I heard, the, I heard some of the utterances, yes, 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 yes. But we, believe, we live out what we believe, right? So many of us probably answered yes to those previous questions. But do our lives reflect that we truly believe? So that's what we're going to look at today. And I just want to start, I want to jump straight in. And read the text because if nothing else good comes out of this, we're going to read the pure word of God and let him do what he wants with that in each of your lives. So let's start. We're going to read chapter 9 starting in verse number 14 of Mark. It says, When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one, one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. 
And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many would say, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So let me set the scene for us because we're not going to walk line through line, line by line through that entire passage. And I'll be the first to say, listen, there's a lot in that passage. We've got, we've got the spiritual warfare side of this thing. We've got the demonic activity. And so there, there's some of this that I'm probably not going to speak to. And, and I could probably preach on this multiple weeks uh, but, but let me set the scene for what's going on here. So for, for many of you that have read the book of Mark, it's one of the Gospels. But interestingly, Mark, Mark's like this action-packed thriller. He's not, he's not real in, engaged in the details. He's, just the, he's like the guy that just wants to see the action in the movie. And so that's what we see with a lot of what's going on in his writing is that he's hitting the high points. He's talking about miraculous works of Jesus and he's, he's just giving us the highlights of what's going on. And so what we know is that, that this account right here is sandwiched between Jesus having, having already told his disciples in chapter 8, hey, listen, he's predicting his death. I'm going I'm to die. I'm going to raise again. They didn't get it. It said, it, chapter 8 actually even said that he spoke clearly. So he wasn't talking in parables to them. He wasn't trying to mix his words. He told them plainly, here's what happened. They didn't get it. And then the book end of this on the backside of what we're, what we're reading today is that he tells them again. He's like, listen, guys, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I need you to get this. I need you to understand what's going on and, and, and be able to carry out what I'm commissioning you to do. And so right before this, him and three of his guys were up on the mountain, the mountain of transfiguration. So three of his guys had just seen him in the presence of God. They got to meet, they got to meet Moses. They're talking, they're chatting it up. They got to meet Elijah. They see, they see God, they hear God say, this is my beloved son, this, I, this is my man. So they're coming down, right? Mountaintop experience. Think about your personal lives. You, You've had some type of mountaintop experience. You get married. You get a job promotion. Something great happens in your life. What's usually on the, the backside of that? Some big letdown, right? Some big, it's trial. Jimmy said this before, and I think it's so true. We're either going into a trial, we're in the midst of a trial, or we're coming out of a trial. That's just how life works. That's how it's wired as we live in a fallen world until Jesus comes back and completely makes it all right. So he's coming down from this mountaintop experience, and the first thing that he encounters is people are like, oh my goodness, 
thank you. We're so glad to see you. Your yahoos are a bunch of jokes. <laughs> and listen, I can relate to this mountaintop experience, right? Michigan State basketball team just shared the Big Ten regular season title. You knew that I was going to reference something about basketball in Michigan State in this sermon. They just shared the Big Ten championship, and we don't even get to play for the national championship. Hey, let me make, let me make an honest confession to you. I need, I need the grace of God to disciple my children better because one of my children said, Dad, if March Madness doesn't exist, what is March even about? I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Train them up in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. So we're going to work on that. There is Easter. That's cool. So this crowd's super thankful to see him. It's like a kid. It's, it, how many dads have ever like watched the, the kids on the weekend while maybe mom does a, a weekend getaway or a girl's trip or a conference or something? Any dads brave enough to do that? And the kids come running back to mom like, thank you, we're so glad you're back. We've eaten ramen noodles and Red Bull for three days. Mom's like, weren't you wearing that on Friday when I left? Yeah, isn't dad so cool? That's kind of that's how these people were when they, see, when they see him coming down. They're like, Jesus, thank you. We now need you so badly. And some, some commentators even say that they were amazed because there, were, there was potentially some, some still glow effect from this transfiguration. So they're, not only they're like, oh my goodness, you are on the scene, thank you. They're like, wow, you got a little glimmer to you. You know, this isn't like Bath and Body Works glimmer, like you got a little shine to you. And so what we know here is we also know the scribes are in this group. And the scribes have found their opportunity. They are seizing the opportunity. They're like, ha-ha, see, disciples, you guys do not have the authority. You do not have the power. We know the scriptures. We know the law. And, and we're getting ready to hang you guys up. It's, it's what they have tried to do with Jesus the entire time that he's, he's ministering. They're, so they're trying to, trying to uh, seize this opportunity. And then finally the father speaks up. Because he's like, what's going on? The father speaks up and explains to him that, I brought you my son, but somehow I ended up with these guys, right? I, I tried to give them a chance, and it didn't work. Do we have any mid-level practitioners in here, PAs, nurse practitioners? Whew, that's good. <laughs> so how many of you, and listen, I, we do have some in, in our body, and they are super talented and gifted but honestly, how many of you have gone to the doctor? I, I used to work in medical sales, so I'd be in the doctor's office all the time. And all the time, you hear people be like, uh, can I just wait for the doctor? Oh, no, we can get you in earlier with a nurse practice. Uh, no, that's okay. Can I just wait for the, for the guy that's been to school the longest and done the most training? That's kind of how, how they were thinking. They're like, we need the big dog here. There's not, you know, we tried this route. It didn't work. And listen. Facebook Live, there's probably more people watching on Facebook Live. If some of our folks, mid-levels, I love you, I would come to you. I'm not throwing off on you, okay? I love my nurse practitioners and PAs. So, so that actually flustered, like J Jesus gets a bit frustrated, right? He's, he's tried to empower these guys. 
He's trying to empower his disciples and say, listen, you've got the authority, and we're going to talk about that just in a minute. And then he comes down to realize they're not carrying out this authority that they've been given. They're not, something went wrong that they weren't able to heal when he gave them the ability to do so. So he kind of sounds off on them. Um, in verse 19, he ends up, he ends up telling them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So most of that is directed at his guys. Yeah, he may have been you know, mentioning that to the, guy, the group that was around, but that was his guys. He's like, guys, you're lacking. You're lacking something here. And then ultimately, he begins to get engaged with the Father. And so, once again, as Mark writes this thing, this thing kind of has this introduction, and then there's this tipping point in this account. And the tipping point is when he interacts with the dad because he's asking the dad directly, what's going on? Tell me, you know, just like a doctor would do, you walk into the room, what's going on? Tell me, tell me what's going on with your son. And so he goes on to explain to him what's going on. But before we read that, let, let's just be honest in what we know about this so far. There's a lot of unbelief. There's a lot of unbelief, and the unbelief's leading to a a few different things. It's leading to debate, right? Because when we don't know what we believe and somebody else believes something else and everybody's a little bit unsure, there's going to be a lot of chatter and there's going to be a lot of debate. And that's what's going on is the disciples are like, ah, I don't really have an answer. We couldn't do it. The scribes are like, ha, ha, I caught you. Everybody's doubting. So it's leading to a lot of doubt. You've got the scribes doubting. They've doubted all along that Jesus is who he says he is. You've got the disciples doubting because they clearly could not address this issue at hand. You've got the dad doubting because he's been living with this, this issue with his child. There's a lot of doubt going on. There's a lot of disappointment. Think the dad's disappointed right now? Think the disciples are disappointed because they couldn't do what Jesus had asked them to do? And I think specifically for the dad, there's a lot of despair. And I think we can relate to that. When there's unbelief that exists within our lives, there's a lot of despair. Because we don't know the answer. We don't know where to turn. And we start grabbing at things. See, if, if you put, there, this account is in three of the Gospels. And if you kind of just look at all three of these, um, these writings of this particular account... Here's what the dad tells Jesus when he asks him, what's going on? He basically says, my son has a mute spirit, which it seizes him and it throws him to the ground. And once again, this is combining all three of the gospels that are talking about this. Seizes him and throws him to the ground. He falls into fire and water. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid and, it, and he convulses. His son was suffering from demon possession that was causing epilepsy. And I just want to clarify one thing just so nobody goes out of here confused. In no way, shape, or form are we saying, am I preaching, that if you have epilepsy or suffer from epileptic seizures or anything along those lines, that there is a connection to being demon-possessed. Those two things can run separately. I wouldn't say you need to go to an exorcist. I would say you need to go to a doctor. However, in this particular account, we see that these two things are running together. That this demon possession is actually causing epileptic behavior. And in Luke, 
we find out that this is, the, this is the dad's only child. Who else had an only child? God the Father. You think Jesus could relate? He said, this is my only child. Can you help me? So once again, I said the tipping point is once Jesus begins dealing with the dad. And our main idea today is this. Believing that Jesus can do anything, we're to seek him in everything. Believing that Jesus can do anything, we're to seek him in everything. So we've talked a little bit about the unbelief and what that creates and and the fact that that does create despair and doubt and disappointment. But what we're going to see here is that once, once this dad locks eyes with Jesus and confesses his unbelief but says, I, don't, I want to believe you, we see that, that we can actually draw some declarations of belief out of this passage. And that's what I want us as a church to hang on to from this passage. We're going to have three declarations of belief. And I'll walk through those, but the first is, I believe that Jesus can. I believe that Jesus can. You say, well, that's kind of broad. I believe that Jesus can. Let's compare. Let's compare before we talk about this dad. Mark 1, Jesus meets a leper. Right? So this is a little bit earlier in his ministry. He meets this leper Mark 1, 40 through 42. He says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, you can. So let's look at what the dad said. Going back to the passage we're in, Mark 9. He said, So he asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? Verse 21. He said, from childhood, and often he throws him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, what did the leper say to him? If you're willing, you can. The dad's not there yet. The dad's still in the if you can. There's a big difference between if you can and if you will. Do we trust that Jesus can take every detail of our life and truly be in control? Go back to those questions I asked on the front end. Do we really trust that Jesus can do what we're asking him to do? And then the dad, in verse 24... Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. This is why it's the title of the sermon. Because we can all, that's, we all find ourselves in some form or fashion here. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Mark 10, 27. So the next, next chapter, Jesus is talking about how hard it is for the rich man to get to heaven and then ultimately how hard it is just to for for man to obtain salvation and he says this in 1027 says but Jesus looked at them and said with men it is impossible but not with God 
For God, all things are possible. My question today, true life, is whether we're thinking in the terms of what's going on right now today with the coronavirus, whether we're thinking relationally with what you've got going on in in your marriage or your family, whether we're thinking specifically as it pertains to is Jesus enough to forgive me for who I am? Is Jesus enough to restore me, to give me a relationship? I want us to be able to say, I believe that Jesus can. Number two. I believe that God is more concerned about the object of my faith than the amount of my faith. Except, let me go back. I feel like I just need to, to kind of hit on this. And I, and I want to make sure that I talked through some of this with Mandy. And, you know, it's always good to get a wife's perspective. So, one of the things she mentioned to me, which I think is very wise, especially in it, as it pertains to what we're reading, that no matter if you hear that or not, I believe that Jesus can. Many of us let our past experiences of what Jesus has or hasn't done when we've prayed and asked to then influence the rest of our view of who he is. And so I just want to encourage this church that, that we know who Jesus is through who he says he is. Right? So Jesus does not promise us that everything you pray will be answered like you want. And therefore, when we pray, he's going to answer. He's going to answer with a yes. He's going to answer with a no. He's going to answer with a, you didn't see it this way, but this is actually how it needs to look. But that does not make Jesus the one who is insufficient. And so may we not look at this belief that Jesus can through the lens of our past experiences. If anything, I want us as a church to get to a place where we say, I know that, it, that what I prayed did not necessarily turn out like I thought it would, but that does not stop me from knowing who Jesus is through who he says he is. Therefore, I will continue to pray according to his will. I will continue to pray big prayers that are daunting to me, but I know that Jesus can. There's a guy by the name of Michael Horton that wrote a book, The, the Gospel-Driven Life, Being Good News People in a Bad News World, uh, 10 or 12 years ago. And he says this in his book. He says, Anxiously anticipating the quite premature delivery of our triplets, I will never forget the moment that the doctor looked at me and announced, They're all alive! It was not a foregone conclusion, at least for one of them. And until that report, my wife and I were in suspense. All the wishful thinking, even from certified medical professionals, could not alleviate that suspense, turning possibility into actuality. I could believe all I wanted in a successful delivery, but I had no promise to rely on, either from God or from the doctors. And the intensity of my believing it had nothing to do with the state of affairs. But listen to what he says. He says, My confidence developed entirely on the words that the doctors uttered. Similarly, the gospel is news because it reports a completed event. Faith does not make something true. 
but embraces the truth. We can, we can declare that Jesus can because Jesus has. We can declare that Jesus is fully capable to overcome whatever we've got going on in our lives because Jesus has overcome death. Jimmy said it multiple times. I'm going with the guy that rose from the dead. Number two, I believe that God is more concerned about the object of my faith than the amount of my faith. I want us to be able to declare that belief as a church. If you look at Matthew 17, and this is actually same, the same storyline on the back end. This is Jesus answering when the disciples asked him why we, couldn't, why we couldn't do it. He says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, anybody that's been in children's ministry, you've talked about a lot of mustard seeds, right? And it grows into this great tree, it's great, it's a little tiny mustard seed. And that's what he's telling them. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I believe that he's more concerned about the object of our faith than the amount. What Jesus is asking of this dad is to put your faith in me. I'm not asking you to muster up more faith. I'm not asking you to try to fill the tank before you come to me. I want you to trust me. When the object of our faith is Jesus, we don't have to concern ourselves with the amount because ultimately he's the infinite source. He is the one who provides abundantly. Therefore, our focus should be on where our faith is, in this case, who our faith is in. We have the opportunity right now in our, in our culture to put our faith in the media. How's that going? Right? We have, our faith, we have the opportunity to put our faith in ourselves and what we read and research and how smart we can educate ourselves on a coronavirus. Or we have our opportunity to put our faith, fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and realize this is not a surprise to him. We are not in a time that he's thinking, I didn't see this one coming. I believe that God is more concerned about the object of our faith than the amount of our faith. And then third, I believe the power for change starts with Jesus and flows through me. We'll go back to Mark 6. See, the disciples had what it took to cast out this demon. Mark 6 says, And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two, gave them power over unclean spirits. So they were out and preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They had what it took. There's an element here that somewhere along the way in the, la in the three chapters that they began to do this, right? God equips you. God gives you a gift, a skill, a talent. How easy is it for us to 
eventually realize that I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at this. Then we become self-reliant. And then somewhere along the way, we forget that that is not our gift. That is not our skill. That is not our talent. That belongs to God. All that he's asking us to do is steward it and trust him along the way. They were equipped and commissioned. However, they were unable to complete this task because their eyes got off of Jesus. They didn't seek Jesus. They didn't seek God. Mark 9, 28 says, When he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Today's National Day of Prayer. On the fly. Jimmy said, Every day should be a day of prayer. Everything about our lives, true life, should be pointed toward Jesus. Humbly submitted to him, realizing that we don't have any power in and of ourselves. That the only power we have is the power that we tap into through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we meet Jesus, we're changed forever and then he places within us his power through the Holy Spirit. But we in and of ourselves, have no power. I believe that the power to change starts with Jesus and then flows through me. Look at verse 26 and 27. So he's dealt with this dad and the dad just confesses to him a few verses earlier, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. He's at his wit's end. He's reaching out to Jesus. 26 said, let's read 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. As we're pleading with God, whether that be for our one, whether that be for our marriage, whether that be that God would, would work in the midst of the coronavirus or would stop the coronavirus, as we're, as we're pleading, as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, making Jesus the object of our faith, realizing that he can accomplish anything that he wants to accomplish, as we're doing that, we've got to realize, guys, Sometimes things may get worse before they get better. Right? Jesus had the opportunity to probably just zap this boy. But in, he, in the midst of it, he cast a demon out and the boy looks dead. Luke actually references that, that as this demon comes out of him, that there was bruising. Sometimes things will get worse and look worse before they get better. I referenced Dangerous Prayers, Craig Rochelle sermon series. He said something in one of those messages recently that said, oftentimes the blessing is on the other side of the brokenness. Right? And so sometimes God's just going to break us as we see with this boy. 
before he takes us by the hand and says, now that you're broken, get up, you're healed. Now that you're broken, get up, you're saved. Now that your marriage is, is broken, get up, let's restore it. I think this is a call for us to seek Jesus, to pray big, to fix our eyes on him. And as we wrestle with unbelief in whatever area of life that ends up encountering us, as we wrestle with unbelief, to realize that Jesus can. And to realize that believing that he can we're going we're gonna to seek him for everything. He can do anything. I think I've made it, but I want to do this. This is the National Day of Prayer. I want to, I want to extend an invitation. So if the praise team will come, let's, let's worship one more song. But.